0: 322
1: for throwing
0: fire. The track. there's no doubt that the game has changed and
2: we are changing with it welcome to season two because in this season it is all about how we become and stay
0: operational
2: how we're ready for every moment of our life on and off the job. I'm your host, Jeff Bandman. Thanks for joining me and let's get down to it. This podcast is brought to you as a part of the Operational Mindset Foundation. Our mission is to mentally, physically, and emotionally prepare you for the challenges you're going to face on and off the job. It's funded through donations, sponsorships, and our work with departments across the U.S., Get involved with us by visiting opmindset.org. That's opmindset.org. There you can find out how to bring a new level of training to your department and how to help us expand the conversation. Now, let's fire up today's episode. All right, welcome back to Mindset Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Bandman. Today is going to be a
0: lot of fun. I am bringing in uh, the uh, well, Chief, if you don't mind, I'll say the man, the myth, the legend around situational <laughs> awareness. <laughs> uh, uh, that's, a, that's a big setup. <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, it's a big show. We got to like step it out there. But today with me, Chief Gassaway, uh, Chief, thanks for joining me. Uh, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. We kind of did this on a little bit of short notice. And, you know, as I shared with you before the show, This month, we're really kind of unpacking and getting into uh, those aspects of mental acuity, that aspect of situational awareness, of self-awareness, and really kind of pulling the curtain back on why we do what we do when we do it, what causes us to see what we see, uh, what interrupts our decision-making cycle, and how do we improve it? And so I really appreciate you taking the time, cutting some time out of your busy schedule to join me. So
1: I appreciate the uh, the invitation, Jeff. It's quite an honor, and I'm really really excited about having our conversation.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you know this is the <laughs>
0: this is the cool thing I like about the show and the way that we go. It's it is you know whether we're bringing somebody out of the law enforcement community, out of the military, or out of the fire service, you know it, these things we're going to talk about today are, are kind of applicable to all, right? They we we all deal with them. We all find ourselves in these high stress, highly complex, highly diverse environments. And, you know, I think part of the charter now is, and we have a culture chief. I, you, you tell me, I actually, I'm kind of excited about the shift in the community because I feel like we have a culture now that wants to understand why we're doing Uh, this.
1: We do. Um, (laughs) but it's getting, it's getting better. better. (laughs) Uh, You know, one of the one of the the books i wrote was that was kind of like the compilation of my dissertation and there are some people who buy that book and say man i really dig i really dig the science in the book about the why behind it and then i get some other people that say if i knew this was a book about science i would have never bought it <laughs> <laughs> i would have put down. yeah exactly yeah, i would have right. how dare you trick me into into learning science <laughs> yeah but, yeah, you know, my, yes, my, exactly. My background, or you know, my research is cognitive neuroscience. So I'm teaching what I'm teaching. I'm teaching the the science about how we think and make decisions, and and, and I try to do that in really friendly ways and and fun ways. Um, but mm-hmm. there are there are are some that really dig that. I mean, really dig it. I mean, like they're nerdy about it. And 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 then there's some that yeah. just are objectionable to it. And and you know, I, I I try to find a happy middle. You know, I, I can't go full nerd with the nerds when I'm teaching a class because <laughs> everybody else will be rolling their eyes. And, yes, but but um, you know, but then I can't I can't just set aside all the science either because it's you know it's the foundation of how to explain why we do the things we do or don't do.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you know, yes, I've been excited because I here's what I feel like it's over the last decade decade and a half maybe two you know, we have come to a place now where science is very va- is, has become very validating for a lot of our work and we've crossed i feel like we've crossed through the threshold of the you know this is snake oil kind of stuff right i mean that's you know i grew up in that environment where you know nobody nobody wanted to hear it right and it was very uh you know uh very ad hoc or very slang terminology used to kind of describe some things. But what's interesting to me when I look back at, you know, the guys that taught me how to be a fireman back in the nineties, you know, these guys have been firemen since the sixties and seventies. The things that they said are now scientifically evident, you know, scientific evidence today, uh, mm-hmm. which I really like in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, but
1: there, there's also some science refuting some of the things Yes. That yes. I was taught taught early as a firefighter, and there are some people who are very resistive of that because hey, it's worked for me for you know twenty years, and i believed in it, and I've done it, and it's turned out okay. But then you get science based evidence like from the NIST and UL research that shows some things that are different, and you know, and they're they're using they're using very sophisticated monitoring equipment to show these changes in heat and movement of air and such. And there's still some people that have just, you know, just holding their breath and turning blue in the face because, you know, and like, (laughs) who who needs all that science? You know, I'm just going to do what I've always done. And, 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 and and I, and I, I kind of relate to what they're saying but part of me just says, it's so sad to have people attacking. Yes. These, these researchers who are showing scientifically, in some ways validating some of the things that we've been taught and in some ways refuting some of the things that we've been taught. And I guess if the science validates what you believe in, then you're like rah-rah for it. But if the science refutes what you've believed in, well, then those researchers are a bunch of idiots.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love, I love being disproven, you know, in a theory. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that's the, for those of us that get into it, those of us that kind of unpack it, it's like, I don't know. But we're going to find out, you know, I mean, this is this is my theory. This is what I think. And we're going to figure it out. And if it disproves it, then awesome. Right. Then I think that's I think that's the it's hard. You know, there's we've had a couple of guests on the show. and We've kind of talked about the rigidity of of people in our communities. Right. Over Mm -hmm. time. I mean, it's just it's a unfortunately it's a model of culture. You know, when I rewrote the math equation for what a mindset looks like, um, you know, and I say we're always solving for our C3, which is our creativity, our comfort, and our confidence. Uh, the key factor in all of that is our level of openness. And, you know, people kind of step back from that. I'm like, but that's measurable. Like I can actually, you know, assess that. We can run through that. We can find how open you are to experience, to new knowledge, to learning and growing, et cetera, um, you know, through an evidentiary process. But that's really, to, to me, the key. And I don't know from, I know in the fire service, law enforcement community, I mean, I think you're seeing kind of those, those sects, will you, you will, those groups kind of pull apart from each other. You know, you've got the old school rooted in, as the way we've always done it, as way I've versus uh, a larger group now, I feel like it's growing that's saying, okay, but Why? You know, and I think that's part of the generational too, thing too. You know, these kids have, you know, they've been able to go to Google their whole life or ask Siri. Uh, you know, they've been they've been in the world of why, where we weren't uh, for a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: I, yeah. I, th- I think it's shifting.
1: Um, uh, you know, it, it it I guess it remains to be seen as to how fast it shifts. Um, you know, there was there's a there's a great book that I uh, had read that was written in the sixties. Um, Oh my God, I, the name of it just escaped me, but it talks about, um, how, how new paradigms are created. Um, Mm -hmm. it'll, it'll, it'll come to me in the course of the conversation. Sure. But, uh, and it talks about how people it through the course of millennia have resisted new ideas when they come about, you know, and they give some examples of, you know, ideas that came about, you know, in the, 1700s that, you know, people resisted and, and, you know, and then eventually it, it takes hold and becomes, you know, the new, um, the new paradigm or the new way Mm -hmm. of thinking. And it kind of, you know, works its way into replacing the old way of thinking. And then, then as you look back, the old way looks so antiquated and out of date, that you make makes right. you wonder why, why did anybody ever do it that way? You think about how we used to f- like fight on the battlefield in the civil war. You know, yeah. we lined up, we lined up 300 long and the first row shot across the field to the first row yep. and who didn't fall down, reloaded, moved to the back and reloaded. And the second row stepped up and you look at warfare today, you know, and how we, how we fight today compared to then and you think why did how how did anybody back then ever think that was a good idea to line exactly. up hundred yards where out. Was, where was the <laughs> private going, hey
0: guys, this is a stupid yeah. plan. Yeah. yeah.
1: Here's a here's a rock we could get behind. A <laughs> tree. <laughs> a tree. I don't know about, a yeah, don't know
0: about you, <laughs> but I'd like to I'd like to use that thing over there because I think it might yeah. provide some yeah. yeah. No, it's Yeah, yeah. might like,
1: deflect the bowler, you know, and they all oh, stand up and fight with honor, kid. <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah. No, And but that's, but you know what? You just nailed it right there, right? It's this, it's this, this culture of, you know, I think you just hit something on the head there. You know, it's honorable to stand there and sacrifice yourself or yeah. do it this way that we've always done it. And, you know, I think the, the hurdle is doing it if more effectively doing it more scientifically doing it in new ways can be perceived as soft or, yeah. you know, maybe yeah. we're not going, you know, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I don't know. And yeah. cause I'm, well, a, you're, I mean, so I'm, you're right.
1: Uh, you're right yeah. It's, it is seen as, is that you're, you're more, you're, you're tougher if you do it the harder way and you're softer, if you do it the easier way, because there's a better way that's come about, you know, and, 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 I, I think we're, we're making the turn. I don't know that that's what we're here to talk oh, yeah. about. I mean,
0: you gotta, no, no, absolutely. It's not what we need to talk about, but, but I, but I think it's all part of it because what it leads to here is, so let's talk, let's talk about kind of cognitive development. Let's talk about situational awareness. Let's, you know, cause there's you and I go through incident after incident, after incident, uh, across, you know, the multiple spectrums and looking at where, a lack of situational awareness or a lack of awareness in general, self-awareness, situational awareness, you know, um, these, these points impact our ability to make decisions and then drive actions that ultimately lead us down a path that maybe we don't want to go down or leads us into a path of trouble, if I would say. So, so let's talk, let's talk situational awareness. Let's get into the, the nitty gritty of it, you know, and I know you teach a variety of programs, But like, why, why do you see this as such a significant point? Like what's your, what's your take on it?
1: Um, A couple perspectives on it. Um, one, it's not, it's not part, at least for firefighters, it's not, it's not part of any curriculum that is out there for that are, that is required to get trained and certified as a firefighter, mm-hmm. you know, even if you take uh, the the 1001 and you and you get one of the big publishers books, mm-hmm. there might be four or five single sentence mentions yes. of situational awareness, but not nothing in the form of a comprehensive enough lesson to really do anyone any good. And, and that's the first problem is it's not it's not part of the foundational mm-hmm. learning. Two, there are a lot of people that misunderstand what it is and, and how, you, how you develop it. And three, there are a lot of people that think they're better at it than they are.
2: <laughs> and,
1: and, <laughs> Excuse me for a second. I like, might be to you myself. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it, you know one, of, one of the things I say is that, you know, you can, you can have terrible, terrible situational awareness, horrible situational awareness, and still make a great decision. We call that lucky. And out and out there in the world, there are a lot of people lucking their way into successful outcomes, all the while thinking they have a skill set. And that what they really just have is a is a run of luck. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and they don't they're not they're unaware of how unaware <laughs> they they actually were in the moment that they lucked their way into success. Yes. And 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 that's scares me. Um, you know, most of the incidents that I work with in departments I work with and interviews that I conduct are the people who happen to be on the sharp end of an outcome when, when the luck ran yeah. out and, and, you know, for a variety of reasons, they couldn't see it coming. Yeah. And, you know, that, and that, that's my tagline, help, help, help individuals and teams see the bad things coming yeah. in time in time to prevent the bad outcome. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they don't see it coming in time. And then the outcome occurs. And then they say, Wow, I had flawed situational awareness. But they're looking at it after the fact and not in the in the I don't think anybody in the moment, very few people in the moment will realize their situational awareness is being impacted. Yeah. Most of the time they think it's solid and then something happens. And then after the fact they look back as data comes in after the fact, then they're able to see all the things that they didn't realize or didn't know or thought it was mm-hmm. this, but it was actually that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, I know we're not to the point of the big takeaways yet, but I'll give you one of the big takeaways early here. Um, flawed situation awareness is never a root cause. Never. Yep. It is only a simp- it's only a symptom. Yeah. You know, no, no one dies of chest pains. They 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 die from a blocked artery. No one dies from flawed awareness. They die from the what caused the awareness to be flawed. Yeah. Flawed awareness is just the symptom. It's just the chest pain. You have to dig deeper to find out. Well, what was it? I well, I wasn't paying attention when that happened. Mm-hmm. Well, you were paying attention to something. Yes. Maybe not what you should have been, but something had captured and held your attention at the moment you wished it was on something else. So let's try to figure out what that was and why that happened. You know, were, were you distracted, where did you have split attention? Were you interrupted? Was your mind drifting? You know, there's, there's a lot of ways
0: in um, awareness goes, sideways for 100 i mean and then you know physiological effects and am i managing it am i you know am i generally you know an excitable human being like am i am i implementing you know key strategies to keep myself i mean this is i've always said you know fear you know body body experiences fear and excitement the exact same It's the same biological function fear and excitement and But fear is really just nothing more than a projection into the future of an outcome that we don't want, right? And so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, a lot of my work has been around how do I get somebody hyper-present to what's actually occurring right now? Because this is the information I need that's happening right now, not how I perceive it or how I think it should be or as someone has told me it should be like the, the dispatcher, right? I mean, I think that's a big cluster we deal with in any of the emergency response community is we're trusting information that's coming from some citizen somewhere. You know what I mean? Who isn't trained, mm-hmm. who isn't developed, who doesn't know how to give accurate information and who is seeing their own world through their own eyes relayed through to yeah. a, somebody that's not anywhere near the incident. Then given to us is we're in route screaming down the road, you know, trying to set up for what we might do. Uh, yeah. And yeah.
1: it, 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 all of that is fraught with problems, but one of the things that that contributes to making that even more challenging is that we, when we as responders are receiving that information from dispatchers, mentally we can be fooled into believing that we're being given facts yes. from an, a person of authority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all the dispatcher is, is the conduit by which the caller's information is getting passed on through. You know, I often say the dispatchers have situational awareness, too, yep. of the call that they're sending you to. Their situational awareness comes from the caller. Yep. Whatever the caller says forms the awareness in the mind of the dispatcher. The dispatcher then tries to create something called shared awareness mm-hmm. by sharing what there is in their mind, their understanding of the call with those responding in the field. And to say that with a level of confidence and authority, and then the people in the field believe that what the dispatcher told them is true and accurate. And really what the dispatcher told them is simply the dispatcher's imagined reality.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Totally.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Based off somebody else's perception of event that, you know, that it may or may not be.
1: Off 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 of a lay caller's observation which they might have said told the truth they might not have Mm -hmm. sometimes by accident sometimes on purpose multiple callers say multiple different things the dispatcher has to try to figure out which one's telling me the truth and so they're making a credibility judgment of the caller or callers you know language barriers Mm -hmm. can cause you know the dispatcher frustration there's all kinds of and then if you add in a call taker be, you know, call taker who yeah. then transfers information to a dispatcher. Well, now you've got like the game of telephone going on because you got the original caller to the call taker, the call taker who then documents onto a computer and you can only type so fast and you can only listen and comprehend mm-hmm. and put so much onto that computer screen. So some of what the caller is saying isn't going to get transcribed and forwarded on to the dispatcher. So the dispatcher will have missing Information that that the the, the the scene you know then later on when they play the nine one tape back they'll say well the caller told this nobody told us yep. that well the, you find out the call taker didn't document it but they were vi- they were busy documenting it's not like they were eating bonbons they were busy processing the call but the caller goes faster than the than the call taker can comprehend the information and that information is just quickly shuffled out of short term memory and lost and you know I've had call takers. St- Swear to me. They they never said that. Yeah. But until they played the tape back and then I went, oh, my God, they said that. How did I not hear them say that? Well, if you're busy thinking about something else they've said, you will filter out what they're saying in in the moment because your mind is on something else that they've already said. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's you know, this is the interesting thing I was sharing with you a little bit beforehand uh, when I was at the agency and we did this entire research pile to kind of dissect stress, right, to assess stress on the human system at multiple levels in action, right? In the course of action. And so we ended up dividing them into three primary groups. They were direct stressors, things we deal with all the time, things that may disrupt our mission or disrupt our intent, whatever may be going on, the indirect stressors, things that will uh, impede our progress or, you know, interfere with our mission to kind of come out of the blue. And then the third pocket is what I always call the kind of like the satellite or the peripheral stressors. Uh, Radio traffic, things that things that have no bearing on the outcome, no bearing on our course of action, uh, you know, no bearing on the event itself. But in the study we did in looking at it, we found that we had the greatest drop of awareness, decision making and and performance when the satellite stressors, when the peripheral stressors were at their peak you know, and mm-hmm. so it's because it causes that distraction, right? It takes our attention, like mm-hmm. you're saying, away from mm-hmm. the what we're focused on to something else. You know, that could be, you know, radio mm-hmm. traffic from another engine. That could be, you know, one of the units responding gets mm-hmm. in a car accident. Well, you know, I can't do anything about that. And it doesn't stop the fire or it doesn't stop the emergency from happening. Yeah. And, I have no bearing on that now, but my, 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 both my mental capacity and sometimes my emotional capacity gets hung up in that place. And so now Mm -hmm. like I've got that, that split awareness point where my brain's, you know, trying to sit in two different locations at the same time. So it's, it's always, yeah.
1: You know, you talk about that, that, that peripheral, mm uh, stressor. um, Yeah. Uh, stressor. So, let, I'll ask you a question, and I don't know what your answer is going to be, but I hope I know what your answer is going to be. Have you ever been in an environment that is so noisy you can't think?
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Okay, so so then take a firefighter and put him in the presence of a chainsaw yep. running. Could that chainsaw create so much noise, even if they've got headset on, could it create so much noise that they can't think? Well, if you can't think, you can't process, mm-hmm. you can't comprehend the the direct Um, things are happening
0: right the The stress yeah yeah
1: yeah well yeah the 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 ones closest Mm -hmm. to you around you you it it literally can impact your ability to process and understand what's happening around you simply because you're in an environment that is noisy and a lot of people that are in noisy environments what they strive to do is get somewhere quiet where they Mm -hmm. can think Mm -hmm. but you know it's not always possible you know if you're working by a chainsaw short of you know turn the chainsaw off so you can think but you can't always do that yeah you know it, it, even, even like a police officer responding to to a call uh you know they got the siren on and they're and they're and they're trying to comprehend either dispatch traffic or MDT traffic all the while with the siren on that just that siren is, is enough that could could impact their ability to comprehend and process now what some do um unknowingly and uncontrollably is their their brain will um filter out the silence yes. noise yep. you know so so that they either it's either gets diminished or it gets silenced completely
0: yeah i mean and, and, and go ahead okay. now i was just going to say that's i think no, that's that, i think you're you're exactly right i mean that's one of the like in in development right in stepping up our game it's we have those systems available to us but those are things that you have to kind of understand the science behind how you leverage that right how you auditory exclusion is not a bad thing when used effectively right um you know it enables you to you know brain and the body are designed to segment out and give you the ability to focus your attention where you need it the question is have you created yourself in the place where you can do that effectively or not? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, Mm -hmm. recognizing the sirens going, sirens going fine, but there's radio traffic coming in. My attention now, you know, is the radio traffic versus, you know, whatever else. And then, you know, you got to add driving into the mix too. I mean, that's, you know, there's, it's chaos. It's definitely, we're, we're not, we've got a lot stacked against our ability to, to see what's so, as I would say it, like, see what's actually happening. What are, what are some of the ways that you, you go about looking at this? How do you, how do you teach people to, to begin to really be able to, to function at a different level when it comes to their situational awareness, when it comes to paying attention?
2: All right, we're going to take a quick break to let you know that this episode is brought to you in part by brute force training. When you're ready to be in the physical condition necessary to meet the rigors, demands, and expectations of your profession, then check out the team over at bruteforestraining.com and pick up their gear. I promise you, it will put you in the condition you need to be in for this moment and the next. You can use the discount code OPMINDSET, that's OpMindset, mindset and the team will take a little bit off the top for you. Now, always remember, train accordingly. Now, let's get back to the show.
1: Well, I, I think the first component of it is making sure they understand what situational awareness is. If if I were to ask 10 lay people, uh, lay, I'll call a lay person, somebody who hasn't had a deep dive in situational mm-hmm. awareness training, what it means, they're likely to say, well, it means I got to pay attention mm-hmm. or I got to keep my head on a swivel or I always got to <laughs> be looking around. Yeah. And and, and and all of that is true but that's only the first part of situational awareness that only helps in what is called the perception level of awareness you know when you're keeping your head on a swivel you're looking around you're being perceptive of your environment which is good i mean you definitely want to be paying attention sure. <laughs> so it's it's you know it's nothing to be ignored or to be diminished but it's only it's only the first part it's kind of like saying to drive my car, all I need is my keys. No, you have to do a few more things besides just have car keys in your oh. hand. You know? <laughs> and 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 but but you st- it's important you got to have the keys, right? So um you know so you know step one understanding how to be perceptive of the environment, how to pay attention, what to pay attention to, how your attention can be drawn toward things that are loud, bright moving, proximal movement. And and these are primal triggers Mm -hmm. that try to veer your attention and perception away. And so one understanding what perception is and some of the ways to get tripped up in perception and then how to take what we perceive and understand it. You know, it's one thing to see it. It's another thing to understand it. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to understand it. You you think you take two people, put them in in a quiet room face-to-face, across a table from each other, and they can miscommunicate. Mm -hmm. Now add stress, changing conditions, noise, lights, multiple auditory inputs, um, muffled radios through SCBA face pieces, sometimes people talking too fast. It's one thing to perceive it. It's another thing to be able to comprehend it and know the meaning of what is coming at you. I think, of, I think of perception, the way I describe it is, perception is gathering up a bunch of jigsaw puzzle pieces. Eyes gather some, ears gather some, nose, mouth, skin. They all gather up big jigsaw puzzle pieces, send them into the brain. Then the jigsaw puzzle has to get assembled. There's, you know, there's some point where the brain takes what we see, adds it to what we hear and feel and taste and smell, and put all those pieces together to form one coherent understanding to, to comprehend really what is happening based on the inputs from all the, the senses. And, in, and,
0: and in then benchmark it against history and you know previous experience and yeah. learning and more, yep. you know, yep. every, everything else, like the way you were raised. Like, yep. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Go. Yep.
1: Yep. So, yeah, no.
0: So like when somebody's trying to
1: understand, you know, I always encourage them to, to adopt a mindset of being inquisitive mm-hmm. instead of being assumptive it, it, So to be inquisitive would say like to have your mental puzzle put together and and then look at the puzzle in your mind and say, what does this mean? What's the deeper meaning of what I'm seeing? The deeper meaning of what I'm hearing is what I'm seeing aligned with what I'm hearing. If it isn't aligned, why is it not aligned? Why am I seeing this, but hearing that? And so to, to be inquisitive and to ask these kind of questions, but then to force yourself to answer them as well and ask a question like, is this what I expected? So this is where you bring in your past experiences, your biases, you know, because we bring expectations to the okay. table. We bring expectations from what dispatch tells us we're going to be seeing when we get there. And that can cause you to actually see what dispatch told you yes. was going to be happening, even yes. if it yes. isn't happening. You're literally hallucinating a reality. And and I have people in my program say, no, 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 that would never happen to me, Rich. <laughs> this is all psychobabble theory, uh, you know, and I, I appreciate the fact that you learned all this. In a book, but it would never happen to me. You know, and I gotta, I gotta sit there in a program and try to convince responders that they can hallucinate, yes. reverse hallucinate, go deaf, the <laughs> auditory exclusion that you talked about. They can tell lies and not even realize they're telling lies. And I try to convince them that these things can happen. And I can just see in the faces of people that. They're, that some, they're, they're just not buying it. You know, they're just like, nah, that's that would have maybe happen to somebody lesser experienced than me, but it wouldn't happen to me. But then, then what I do is I have this exercise that I do where I demonstrate it. And we run this exercise. And I, I tell the people to be, I said, well, by the time this exercise is done, some of you are going to hallucinate. Some of you are going to reverse hallucinate. Some of you are going to, Uh, go deaf and some of you are going to go blind and some of you are going to tell lies. You ready? And then I, I do my exercise and, and there they are with their eyes about the size of 50 cent pieces. When I, when I ask somebody, you know, what did the person in this, in this clip that I showed, what did this person say? Let's just hypothetically say, what did this person say the color of the car was? And they'll say green. And I'll say, "Well, how confident are you that they said the car was green?" "Oh, completely confident. That's exactly what they said." "No, they didn't. The car they said the yeah. car was yellow." "No, they said it was green. I said I'll play it back and Roll you can tape. hear it again." <laughs> but "You put you, pe- you put people under stressors, they hear what they want to yeah. hear. Yep. Not what reality is. They he- they hear things based on past experiences, biases, previous uh, training that they've had it's just it, it can turn into a storm of a problem and and then w- when i'm done and and, and they're in and the exercise is complete all those people who thought that would never happen to me they're mm-hmm. very humbled because they now realize just how vulnerable they really are to some of these what i call barriers to situational awareness And, you know, up to that point, I can just see the skepticism oozing out of them. Yeah, I start off, I I gave a talk at (laughs) at Firehouse
0: Expo at Nashville, you know, and I start off all my talks, especially in this community. And I say, listen, before we even begin, I need you to take judgment and set it down. You can pick it up when you're done and you can take it out of here. But if you can't set it aside for the next two or three hours or however long we're together, just leave. Right, because I, I can't overcome that barrier. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I, yeah, I say I say I say yep. the
1: same thing. Yeah. I just use different words. I say just g- g- give me a gift yeah. of your open mind. Yeah, I. That's all I'm asking. And then and then when I'm done, you yeah. can close it up and throw everything away that I can, said. But just give me the gift of your yeah. Of your I tell open guys mind. the only reason I'm alive
0: yeah. today, the thing that's kept me alive throughout my entire career is curiosity. It's just the willingness to look, just the (laughs) willingness to ask the question and, and not, you know, I think we have this perception that being curious or asking questions is a nuisance, is a pain in the ass, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like that's, I grew up that way. You know, guys are like, ah, don't ask that. You know, you don't need to know, blah, blah, blah. But really just being curious, am I seeing what I'm seeing? is this, you know, am I feeling this correctly? Am I reading? Like there was just, just this internal curiosity button that, that constantly is fluctuating and it's kept me alive. It's kept me alive. I can, I can point to many times, you know, why is the, uh, we just, we just, you know, we just vented it properly. Why is there no smoke alleviation? Why is there no heat alleviation in this building? You know, what's going on right now? Like this constant model of curiosity in discovery of you know what's actually happening versus um you know not being connected in this in this space right now. Right. So I, I'm with you when it's that, you know, it's that place of Perpetual discovery, right? It's an attitude. To me, it's like a way of being. We just are curious or we're not in some ways. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think it, you know, as you say, curiosity has saved you. I think that curiosity is definitely a mm-hmm. trainable mm-hmm. skill set. You know, you can't really say that a person is either born with curiosity or they're not. And if you don't have it, you never will. I mean, there maybe are certain talents, like, you know, for me, I would never be gifted in basketball, Right? you know, (laughs) that's just one of the things, you know, genetically that was (laughs) left behind for me. That that option Um, is elected, right. (laughs) And and yeah, no matter how much I try, I just don't think I'm ever going to get really good at it. But curiosity, curiosity is is a trainable mental exercise that the more you practice it, the better you get at being curious about why things are the way they are. You're literally, by being curiosity, developing
0: situational 100%. awareness. I think that's what's missing in a lot of these yeah. areas. It's like, this is situational awareness, curiosity, openness, all these subtle underpinning traits. Like, they are all, they need to be exercised. Right. They are just like muscle. They yeah. are just like tactical training. They are just like running a hose line or doing a two minute drill or, you know, shooting, putting rounds downrange, seeing your front sight post. Right. They are a skill that when you give over to them and you begin to develop them, they'll take on their life of their own. And they're, to me, those are the skills that'll save your ass mm-hmm. down the road, you know, somewhere, some point in time. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm you with know. you.
1: Yeah, so as I you'd heard me talk about mm-hmm. jigsaw puzzle pieces, you know, gathered up by the senses, they they come together, form that picture of understanding. Curio- one of the ways that curiosity would be extremely helpful is when one of, when you form the picture in your mind and you think you know what's happening, and then here comes a piece of jigsaw puzzle that just mm-hmm. it doesn't fit. Yeah, you, know, you know, your puzzle's put together and it's an outdoor scene, and all of a sudden you've got a jigsaw puzzle. Piece of a typewriter. And you say, well, how does that fit my, you know, this is a field and a stream and a mountain. And now here's a typewriter. Some people who lack curiosity will take that piece and say, oh, those darn kids mixed up the right. puzzles again and throw that piece away as if it's coincidence instead of it displaying the curiosity of how does this new piece of information makes sense in mm-hmm. context to the my perception of what reality is. So you know what I what I tell folks is, you know, perception is 100% of the time reality and the mind of the person who has that yeah. perception. So how do you know when you have a flawed perception of reality? One of the telltales is yes. confusion. So you've got this picture of understanding, here comes this typewriter that doesn't fit into the you know the mountains and the streams to have the curiosity to just say why does that piece not fit i'm confused and when you can realize that you're confused because you have puzzle pieces that don't fit your perception there's a good chance that your perception of reality is flawed and the telltale indicator is your mm-hmm.
0: confusion yes yeah i th- you know it's so it's so crazy to me because also like in the exploration of my world, like we, I've done, I've done a lot of deep dive into then, you know, sensation, like triggered sensation, right? Or intuition or gut feeling, however you would call it, right? To look at, you know, sensation registers before thought. So when I find something, when I find that odd piece, when there's a piece that, that I don't think fits, there's, you know, there's an actual feeling that occurs inside like wait something's wrong or something doesn't work and then i have to work through the the cognitive process right to transition into well is it wrong or does it go somewhere else or what is the like why why does it exist right and then it goes back to that level of curiosity to explore it
1: but you're forcing yourself down a pathway of critical Mm -hmm. thinking Mm-hmm. When you do that, not everybody no. does that. you do you do that, but there are, there are right. a lot that don't. and those that don't are then more vulnerable than those that do
0: yeah i I, I want <laughs> you to'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna back you on this one because i I, I don't want to skip over to that word and because this is the. I don't have too many naysayers to listen to the podcast. And if they do, they only listen to one episode and I've usually pissed them <laughs> off. So then they go on to do something else, which is great, which is why this exists. <laughs> yeah, I have no qualms about it whatsoever. So I'm going to make another call out here. If you're if you're already kind of going, oh, no, sure, I want to listen to this. Then this will definitely have you hit close on the app. If you don't take these things on, if you don't step up and recognize that this is a part of your job and a measure of protection for yourself... Those you work with, the people around you and those you serve, then you are leaving yourself vulnerable to something. Right. You are you are completely, you have a (laughs) chink in the armor if you're not willing to really take this on. And you're making others vulnerable. Absolutely. You're putting everybody and yourself at risk. Everyone around you at risk. Yeah. And you know, you and I could spend probably two or three more hours going through incident after incident after incident where, you know the the skill set wasn't developed and like you said it's it why it's not a sit down first day class you know or within the context and 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 at depth uh you know we leave ourselves at risk we're great at that and i think that's that's one of the frustrations <laughs> of the you know of the industry we live in across the board military is no different it's i mean it's uh and you know I've sat in a lot of people's quote unquote situational awareness classes, and you're right. All they really deal with is that first layer of of perception, right? The perceptive process of it, mm-hmm. um, and that to me mm-hmm. is a very small factor <laughs> in the in the larger equation.
1: Yeah, it, we haven't even talked about yeah. the third component. So we've got the first component, oh. perception. The second component, mm-hmm. understanding. And the third component, in, in my opinion, is probably the most important and least developed of all three, and that mm-hmm. is prediction. Yes, being able to accurately predict future events before they happen. Yeah, to be able to envision outcomes ahead of them. You know, <laughs> hindsight, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and can be really painful. You know, trying to teach the foresight of anticipation of bad outcomes as things are unfolding in the moment is really the Uh gold of situational Uh awareness. You know, but to be able to make accurate predictions, you got to have perception and understanding. You know, I, I, the way I teach it is foundation, walls, and roof. The foundation is perception, the walls are understanding, and the roof is the prediction. Well, you can't start with the roof. The roof's the last part that goes on the house. The prediction of the future is, Predicated on having good perception and good understanding that allows you to make accurate predictions, and you know, I, I teach a process for prediction, but I always, always um, uh, uh, put a disclaimer on there that even though I'm going to give you a formula for how to predict the future, I can't tell you how to predict every possible future outcome. But if you use the formula, it yes. increases your probability. But there's no there's no guarantees because there are some things that happen in life that are just completely unpredictable. I know some people who've had tremendously good situational awareness in the moment and still got blindsided by a tragic outcome that, that you you, yeah. you you couldn't see yeah. coming. I mean, after the fact, somebody can then yeah, see it and criticize it, right. but in the moment. Yeah. Like, you know, I I think a one real quick fire example is uh, these firefighters responded to a a commercial building fire. They went on the fire attack and it was, um, it was, it it was a setup. They didn't know it. The building, it was on fire. They opened a a door to a room where the fire was and the arsonist had set a bucket of gasoline so that when they opened the door, the bucket of gasoline Mm. would spill and ignite. Well, who could predict yeah. that? Nope. Right? Right? Yeah, he, there's just some things that are happened that are so far outside the norm. He, uh, two when two firefighters got shot at, um up in West Webster, New York on Christmas Eve into Christmas morning. Uh I had the national somebody from national media call me and say, "Well, isn't that something that they're <laughs> taught to be, you know, prepared?" Four. And, and yeah, that's what, I laughed. at I mean, I didn't yeah. even grant them an interview. I said, you know, tell me, tell me that we're not being recorded so I can tell you exactly. what I really want to say. And they said, no, no, we haven't started recording yet. And I said, well, that's not no firefighter. I mean, unless you, maybe you're from inner city and you're in a crime stricken area, but in suburbia. Yeah. America. No firefighting crew shows up on the scene of a house fire at two in the morning and expects that somebody to range is going to be laying in the bushes across mm-hmm. the street with a sniper rifle waiting, waiting to, yeah. to to kill you. It's It's not mm-hmm. even in our psyche to think that way. And again, in some
0: areas of some cities maybe but even then that's still a big leap yeah it's a a big leap i mean that's we just had the guys in san diego a couple years ago you know check the welfare cops called and forced the door they go force the door guy inside with an automatic you know pistol lights off adam right you know i mean it's like wait a minute the game the game has changed (laughs) you know i mean and and these are the tools these are the new tools right i don't care You know, I always said 99% of your ability to successfully negotiate the outcomes to whatever you face is all internal process, you know, gear, equipment, training, everything else. Yeah. 1% It's your internal ability between your body and mind to be able to pay attention, understand, comprehend, see what's so make a decision and take the actions you need to take and then adjust. You know, I always, I always teach my 10 degree rule. 10 degrees left to right, right? I always say you can do your 360, walk around, you take the door, you go step inside, the conditions have changed. I don't need to change my decision or my mission, but I do need to flow 10 degrees left to right based on the conditions as they're occurring. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. You know, rather than getting mm-hmm. into this constant iteration of, you know, uh, decision making around it it's like no i'm i'm actually in flow with the moment as it's happening and when i'm there the environment will tell me what i need to do get out stay in move here move there like the conditions will guide me and i think that's part of like part of this the core aspect of situation awareness is giving giving a little bit of that over to the conditions as they are to help you really assess and guide you know yourself i'm kind of a a weird, a fruitcake like that a little bit, I guess I've been called.
1: But you're, you're right. As long as the person is, um, is comprehending yes. Yes. the clues that the environment is providing mm-hmm. to them. Some, some mm-hmm. ignore the clues, you know, they, they go, they go places yep. they shouldn't go to do what they shouldn't be doing. And then justify it in the name of something that they were trying to accomplish um yeah. and 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 die in the process or get severely injured in the process where the clues and the indicators yes. were telling them this this is this is a no go yeah. situation but you know bravado and ego is going to say don't tell me i can't arrogance
0: will get you get you down yeah yeah. that was a very politically correct way of saying it chief but yeah yeah, people make really piss poor decisions in a moment based off of what they how they believe they should act or what they quote-unquote should do or or how they want to be perceived yeah Uh, and we've all done that we've all been young stupid firefighters or cops or whatever else we've all you know, yeah. done things yeah. we probably, <laughs> we look back on, it and we're like, "All right, well, yeah. dumbass, don't do that again." Right? Um, oh, uh, 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 you know, you you said you said how you will be perceived.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a big deal. How making making decisions based on how we think others will mm-hmm. perceive our courage. Yep. If I make a conservative decision, I will be yep. labeled a coward. If I make an aggressive decision. Then I will be seen as uh, courageous mm-hmm. or heroic, and there are there are plenty of people who their guidepost is what will others think of me, not what is the what is the smart thing to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, they make their decisions based on based on their perce- their perceived j- judgment that's going to come to
0: them, <laughs> and and ignore all going? the clues. One hundred percent. I mean, I can. I you know, part of this part of this podcast is you know being very authentic and real. <laughs> I was that way for some of my time in the fire yeah. service. It was yeah. like I,
1: yeah, yeah. and yeah. I was too. I was too. You know, you know yeah. if yeah.
0: you weren't, then I don't think you you come to this place where you can look back and learn. You know what I mean? Where you can be like, okay, I really, yeah. you know, I made those decisions and put myself, even sometimes maybe my crew at risk because I wanted to be the, yeah. you know, the fireman. I wanted to be the guy who did this or that, yeah. um, you know, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Well, and,
1: and some, some of that, when we were younger, uh, if I could, you know, not this, not no. to justify some of the foolish things we did, but I will say this for myself. There was a time when I did foolish things because I didn't know oh, what totally. I didn't know. Oh yeah. I didn't know better. I didn't, yeah. Some of some of it might have been ego driven, but some of it was I just didn't know any better about what is good decisions yes. and bad decisions. And most of the time I lucked my mm-hmm. way into success. And there were some times when I didn't. And thankfully, you know, I never suffered anything more than short hospital yeah. stays, you know. And I don't even want to I don't even want to laugh about that because it's it's tragically serious how close I came on some occasions to paying a price that would leave me either dead or disabled and and I just didn't know better. Now, to the defense of firefighters today, I think there's I think we are a smarter group today. There is better training, there is better science, there is better uh, ways there, there are ways to accelerate mm-hmm. learning and to get smarter quicker. And online training, and I'm not saying it's no. all about online, but that's you know, that's one component of it. I mean, we have access to so yes. much now that we didn't before. You know, like like my department, uh, I mean, my department when I was young, of course, it was before the internet was invented. If we wanted to have a guest speaker come in, we had to hire that person, have them come in and and speak in our fire station well now we can beam them in virtually you know and literally just put them up on a big screen have a conversation with them let us let them train us you know they're in they're in california we're in idaho and we're conducting you know a training session with a with a significantly um big name speaker that's highly sought after and they didn't even have to leave their house and we're we're having our our drill and we're getting this training, you know, there's so many opportunities now to be smarter at this craft. And and for that, we should all be thankful. And I think many are taking advantage of it. Some still aren't, but I think many are. And and I'm encouraged by that. I'm so impressed by how smart some of these younger firefighters are that I meet, you know, and how, how, you know, how committed they are to the craft. It's, you know, I, I don't, I don't t- teach as many police officers, which is to say occasionally I'll have a police officer mm-hmm. in my program if if the fire department opens it up for a, a regional participation. Um, so, I, you know, I, I'm sure the same thing is can be said there about the policing profession. So I don't want to leave them yeah, out no, of this conversation, but I see it. I see it. I see it directly, you know, with the with the firefighters and it, that, you know, that I'm meeting along the way. And I'm very encouraged. The same thing's happen in the law enforcement community. Um, Yeah, I spent a lot of
0: time over there too. And, and it is, you're watching the same, you're watching the same emergence, right. And you're seeing the same cultural breaks and you're seeing the, the almost the identical, uh, uh, issues there. There's different complexities clearly that they deal with over the fire service. There are a whole new host of issues that, 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 yeah, yeah. That they have to deal with. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, most of the law enforcement departments across the U S are, you know, 10 people or less, right. I mean, they're small. There are people out there today. There's a couple people that have sent me emails that listen and they're like, you know, the one cop for, you know, the next, if they call for help, it's 20, 30 minutes before anybody's getting there. Um, yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i could yeah i always say I, you know when i grew up riding fire mm-hmm. trucks you same way right i mean we used to take a house fire with you know nine twelve guys that you know now requires 52 and seven chiefs and eight safety officers and you know everybody else <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah it was a totally yeah. different world and uh but those are the things that I, I almost feel sometimes like the way we've you know we watched the pendulum swing i think in the fire service too to uh to a hyper safety environment, which then almost created a little bit of Mm -hmm. a a break point between, you know, the level of awareness necessary to kind of mitigate the incident. Right. Yeah. Um, More people, more resources, better gear, better equipment. I dropped my situation awareness profile. I bring that profile down a little bit, you know, you know, why, why do we have more gear, better safety, everything else and greater injuries or, you know, issues still going on. And I think it's because we kind of create this false yeah. blanket of protection in our way at times too. I,
1: I've had firefighters say to me, um, I don't need situational awareness training. That's from, that's what my company officer is supposed to do, or I don't have to worry about my safety. We have a safety yeah. officer on the incident scene. Who's supposed to watch out for me? And I think where's the, where's yeah. the personal ownership in this? You know, they can they can only see so much. You got to own your own awareness. You got to own your own safety yes. yeah. sphere. You know, and it's and yeah, then there there are some that that as you say, they I think they're the sharpness of their um, awareness, the sharpness of their self, their their um owning their own safety Mm -hmm. is somewhat dulled by some of these, some of these safety nets that we, that we have in place. And I I don't want to say they're, they're bad, but for, you know, for every good that happens that, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's a Mm -hmm. bad offset, a yin and a yang. And, and, you know, the yin has been that we've done a lot to improve safety, but the yang has been that there are some people that are now probably less vigilant because they feel more cocooned, you know, think about turnout gear. You know, back in my day, we didn't have we didn't even have Nomex hoods when I started. We turned the ear flaps down, and when your ears started yeah. to get hot, you know it was time to leave. And now we're so we're so encapsulated that it, you know that there it, it is probably very easy for a responder to stay in an environment beyond the point when they should leave cuz they're not feeling the heat that is the indicator that they're in, you know, they're in a potentially yeah uh, vulnerable spot. Yeah, there's and so for the good that turnout gear has been progressed,
0: there there is a potential yeah, absolutely. downside to that. I think it's uh I think it's an interesting conversation. I mean, I think it's one that never ends, you know. I mean, I talk about, you know, awareness at multiple levels, you know, situation, the environment others and you know myself like what's going on with myself and what's happening what am I bringing to the table what's going on at home like there's so many things that that definitely uh you know can impact us knock us off our game uh and I I think so I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and I would like you to either you can feel free to like rip it apart and be like no way Jeff you know I think at the end of the day Please, by all means, I love it. I love it when I, we get into that. But I fundamentally kind of draw it down to a simple fact that says, listen, at the end of the day, your entire job is to be present, is to be here now. And everything is, is pulling to take you away from this right now. Work, home, life, dispatch, sirens, house on fire, whatever it may be. Everything is trying to pull you out of What's happening right now, and your only real job is to stay connected to what's actually taking place, because that's that will be the uh, that that the, the answer lies there, right? If you're not privy to the situation, then then you can't do things like you talked about, like being in that predictive posture, right? Seeing and anticipating what's what could happen next, and flowing accordingly with it. So. I don't know. That's my, that's my, my thought in the.
1: No, you no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, but um, one of, one of the challenges is that is we are so subjected to Mm -hmm. distractors every day that I think we're losing in general Mm to let's go off the emergency scene and just talk general life skill we're losing the skill set of being and staying mm-hmm. in the moment. You know, I was just out to dinner with, with my family the other night and we were, it was a pretty nice restaurant. We were going, you know, celebrating a birthday and, and I looked over at the next table and there was mom and dad and all three kids all yeah. on their phones during This nice dinner out at a very nice restaurant. None of them in the moment, unless they were texting with each other. And I'm not rolling that out. But uh, uh, Well, I I actually, four of them were on the phone. The youngest one was on an iPad watching Mm -hmm. or playing some game on her iPad. And and none none of them were in, in the moment mindful at all of anything that was happening around them. And I think the reason I want to tie this back to what you said is I think the more we allow ourselves to be distracted out of the moment, the more that becomes kind of like a habit uh, that we develop is to allow ourselves so easily those distracted moments. And if we're not practicing that mindfulness in our routine of, of our daily life, then we're not developing a habit that on an emergency will pay off for us. And that is the habit of being in the moment. To be here and now, to be mindful of your environment because we're so used to all of this distraction in our lives. And I'm not anti social media or anti technology. It's, 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 this is, we're, we're talking a societal challenge i watched somebody the other day i was sitting at a red light i watched somebody the other day literally with their head down on their phone Mm -hmm. walk right in front of a moving car and the car was going slow enough that they could slam on the brakes blow the horn the person was so startled by them blowing the horn they dropped their phone then picked up their phone and then screamed at the the driver driver
0: yeah
1: for blowing their horn and causing them causing them to drop their phone it's definitely crazy it's
0: it's crazy i mean but i think it goes back to like the seriousness of this and that's where you know i'm sure you do in your classes it's like how do i correlate the seriousness of what we're discussing to the job right and and that's the thing it's like if you're it's the little subtle pieces over the course of the day how you exist in your normal day if you're hyper distracted, always on your phone, always disconnected, always thinking into the future or, you know, dealing with whatever has happened earlier in the day or last week or whatever else. If you're not practicing that, that level of breath and where am I? And okay, I'm right here. And this is what's going on. Like it's a skill. Like it is a, it is a perishable skill. And yeah. And that will lead you to not see what you need to see make a bad decision take a you know go down a course of action that's going to lead in a that lead you down the road in, in a negative result that you don't really want uh, so yeah crazy huh? right
1: great right. and, and and you probably will not even realize that oh, you're no, going you down yeah. that route to that undesirable outcome until until it's too late and then you'll look back and say wow I could have been more perceptive of the things that were happening around me. Now, as I look back on it, man, I Mm missed this. I missed this. I missed this. I should have saw that. I should have heard that. Yeah. I should have known what that meant. Yeah. You know, and that, that hindsight is such. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. If they open themselves up to learning and if there's some kind of after action assessment that kind of captures the, the, Mm -hmm. the factual information, you know, thin slices, the event, allow you to see how the, the slow motion timing of how it unfolds, then, many, many times those, those lessons mm, reveal themselves uh, and allow people to see what Mm -hmm. otherwise they, they didn't for a variety of reasons, you know, any of you have articulated. All
0: right. Chief, as we wrap up today, any other, any last final thoughts or anything for everybody that, uh, that you want to leave anybody with?
1: Yeah. I want to give uh, maybe one golden morsel toward, uh, toward how to use situation awareness to improve, high-risk decision-making, all right? So this is uh, a 30-second snippet from from uh, a training that would take me um, an hour to set up. So you're mm-hmm. kind of just getting, you know, you're just kind of, kind of coming in right before the credits roll, all right? So mm-hmm. as, you, as you're setting up to make high-risk decisions and you're trying to use situational awareness as the foundation for that, remember to... Be perceptive of your surroundings. Be in the moment, as you say, to be to understand your environment and to be curious. You know, bring in the curiosity and the questions to try to make those puzzle pieces fit together. And then, when once you get there, you understand what's going on. You're going to make a decision. A decision, you know, is a choice from alternatives. So you got to have at least two alternatives when you're making a decision. So, you should be thinking, "I've got decision A or decision B." And what I try to encourage people to think about is you should always have like one decision that's you're aggressive, kick butt, take names, decision option, and one decision option that's conservative. The just in case decision a isn't doesn't end up being such a good idea, I've got an alternative. a little more conservative decision to make but if all you ever train on is aggressive action and you never train on conservative action in the moment you'll not even think of the conservative you'll only think of the aggressive because that's all you've all you've trained on okay so make your decision but before you take that decision and put it into action, I want you to pause for just a moment. see if you go decision straight to action, you literally can take an action without really thinking about is this gonna work or not? So what I want your I want your listeners to to do is mm. make a decision and then take a slight pause and make a prediction about the outcome of that decision. Kind of mentally look ahead in your movie and see the outcome of the decision that you just made and try to see whether it's going to turn out well or not. And this is just a, a, a one to five second look into the future. You know, what you're trying to do is just kind of anticipate the landmines that may lay ahead of that decision before you put it into action and then see the landmines. So the whole thing is perception, understanding decision prediction than action and of course Mm -hmm. then you would assess whether that action worked or not and then it takes you back through the the cycle again of perception understanding decision but the, the big takeaway here is once you make your decisions always pause and make a prediction that allows you to just momentarily look into the future and see if that plan will work Or if there's some landmines that might cause you to think about not taking that action. And that just momentary pause might keep you from charging ahead with an action that isn't fitting your circumstance. So that's my, that's my
0: gift. (laughs) Uh, Well, I really, thank you. Thank you for that. I, I really, I mean, very, very strong, very very real. And I like what you said about, like, giving myself the choices, right? The uh, Okay, here's the aggressive mm-hmm. posture. Here's the conservative posture. You know, here are the two things, because then if I've already mentally exercised those a little bit, you know, and we're talking in rapid succession, mm-hmm. you know, very short periods of time, it's it's not unfamiliar to me to then fall back on, right? Or it's not yeah. unfamiliar to shift. It's kind of already been Right. you know, it's, it's, it's available, if you will. You know, yeah. I think I, yeah. uh, Chief, I, right. I really like that. And, yeah. and I I appreciate yeah. you giving, giving your time today uh, to us. I, well, I,
1: I, I really enjoy this. I mean, this could go on for hours. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just big in this conversation. Oh, yeah, we can talk forever. uh, (laughs) Absolutely.
0: (laughs) We'll get you back on. We'll just, because I'm I'm a big believer in like people back in cycle and stuff. Well, and that's it. I mean, because this this whole month we're talking about, you know, core aspects of metal acuity. And part of that explanation out to the audience is how do I make these logical cognitive transitions moment by moment by moment, you know, whether big or small? And You know, this is, this is such a huge component of it. And I really, I hit, I'll be honest with you. I rip a lot of people apart for the way they teach situational awareness. And I've, you know, cause it's, you know, there's a lot of garbage out there. Well, thank you for Uh, being kind to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Well, but I think you're, but I, 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 I've, I've, you know, I've gone through and, 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 and done my research. Uh, You wouldn't be on the podcast if I didn't think you actually had, had, Delivered something of substance, yeah. right? Yeah. um uh, you're, you're, you're,
1: you're right. You're right. Stuff. You're right to call them the task because this is one of those things yes. I say, Jeff. Is if you teach it wrong, you can cause more harm than not teaching it at okay. all. You know, yeah. you, you you know, yeah. Um, teaching. Yeah, you know, if if somebody said, "How do I do brain surgery?" And if you really don't know, but you try to show them, and then they go and do it, that's more harmful than to say, "I don't know." My advice to you is, "Don't do it." You've done less harm to try to to not teach them the wrong way than than to not teach them at all. And I wish some of these people yeah. who really don't understand situational awareness would. Their heart's in the right place. I truly believe it is.
0: There is. But they are. really is. They're saying is. things it's. that
1: just, um. It just, it, it makes me, it makes me worried for this. Yeah. It's
0: just, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It does. It's the same thing with mindset, right? It's the same thing with, with people teaching anything around mental attitude, mindset development, any of that stuff. It is, it, it has graded me for years. I mean, this, the operational mindset, the program originated, I sat, you know, the agency forever had this combat mindset course they taught, which is awful. It's just awful. And I sat in it one day and I I looked around and I looked at the guy sitting next to me and I'm like, okay, none of these people are going to combat. Nobody in this room. They all work for the agency. They're not trigger pullers. Nobody in this organization is, is directly engaged in combat operations. That's not the way we work. You know, there's a very small segment on the paramilitary side that does certain things, but... But why are we in the first slide of a mindset class? We're wrong, (laughs) you know, by teaching these people combat mindset, like, 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 like this is, there's a a skewing that happens. And so I really appreciate what you do. I appreciate what you said today. I think you're, I really, um, I love the approach on some stuff that last little bit was, was gold. You're right. It is gold. Um, and so um, I'm going to make sure that all your information's up on the show notes on the uh, website so that anybody that follows through, uh, can get in touch with you, can link into you. Uh, I'll make sure your website's up and all the information's out there for everybody, uh, to, uh, to access you. And, you know, chief, I just, I really appreciate you coming on taking the time today Thanks. It was a big ask and I'm glad we could make it happen. Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate it
2: thanks so much for listening today's show was brought to you in part by the primed mind app you know i've gotten to know elliot rowe for some time now and using his app has been a huge game changer for me it brings together a perfect set of guided meditations that really keep you in the game whether it's sleep performance workouts resiliency or making those critical transitions between home and work the Prime Mind app is my go-to source for putting me in the mental and emotional condition necessary to deal with whatever comes my way. Check it out at mindsetradio.com backslash primedmind. That's P-R-I-M-E-D-M-I-N-D. Download it and check out what Elliot has to offer. Remember, this podcast is only available through your continued support through donations to the Operational Mindset Foundation at opmindset.org and through your engagement with our sponsors. So stop by MindsetRadio.com for all the show notes from today's episode and show some love to all of our sponsors by visiting Mindset.com sponsors. As always, feel free to drop me a note with your thoughts about today's episode or join us on Facebook in the Mindset Radio Facebook group. You could follow us on Instagram at mindsetradio, Radio or over at Twitter at Mindset underscore radio. That's Mindset underscore radio over on Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and I'm looking forward to next time. Until then, stay safe and stay operational, my friends.